Today is September 27th, 2020, and you are listening to Sam Walking in the World, episode 24. It has been another week, and it's been a while since I've heard the sound of you listening to my voice. Ah, I've been living like a guy I want to be when I die. Happy to be back. I'm happy to have you listening. Um, today, I pretty much only have some stupid stuff, and then I think it's time that I outed myself politically. I think um, because I'm going to be talking about politics and the election, I feel like it's only fair for me to tell you kind of where I stand on various issues, so you can decide to call me whatever you want. Um, I, I'm not going to argue for a political party or anything like that, but I will be discussing topics and I fall on one side or the other often um, just because that's kind of what I think on the issue. You'll see in some some uh, regards I'm all over the spectrum, but um, usually when I'm discussing topics of the day with people or listening to people's opinions, I feel like I, I should call myself a conservative. Um, but I'm not a social conservative. I'm a I guess I would say personal responsibility conservative. Um, and I only say that because of the feelings I have on various topics based on the experiences that I've had. <clears throat> I think as most people that are paying attention usually decide to name themselves. But you can name me whatever you want. You can just call me Sam Walking in the World because when you strip all the rest of it away, that is all that I am. And really all that I want to be. But I do think things about things, and I've been sharing them with you, so I'm going to share some things that I think about political issues or issues of the day that fall into the political category. Usually you'll hear somebody talking about something and you go, oh, you're a liberal. Or someone will be talking and you go, oh, you're a conservative. And they just decide that based on whatever your particular opinion is. I don't think of myself as having a side, except on particular issues. I'll feel one way when someone else feels another, as everyone does. Anyway, that's my long-winded way of saying that I'm going to pretty much tell you about myself and what I think about things. Um, But I have some stupid stuff first, so I will get right to that, and then I will uh, talk politics. Okay, first, uh, I noticed this uh, when I was opening up a ream of paper. I was at school, and I was printing something, and, and the printer wouldn't go, and it said, paper tray empty. So... I went over to the place where they have all the reams of paper, and I grabbed one, and I realized this. There is no graceful way to tear the paper off of a new ream of paper. I feel like they should redesign the packaging so that there's a way that you can just kind of grab something and rip, and it opens in a way that's convenient, but it never does. You kind of work your thumb into that thing on the side and try to get a grip, and then you kind of rip, and it rips half of it off, but not enough to pull it out. Or maybe just rips a strip off of it, and then you gotta put your hands in the sides of that opening and pull sideways and kind of rip it. But then you're not holding the paper, so you have a chance of dropping it. Really, is a pain. I just realized it, especially because you're usually kind of in a hurry. When that happens, it's gonna you know it's gonna take up more time than you might have allotted yourself to make those copies. So you are kind of rushing, and the packaging is an obstacle. Uh, So that goes on my list of things you cannot do gracefully or in a hurry. Um, Also on that list is drinking from a cocktail straw and running in flip-flops. 
So that's my running list right now. There's three items on it. <clears throat> All right. And um, uh, another stupid thing. Uh, it it uh, refers to a stupid thing I talked about before, and that's the panhandler I know. Um, there's, there's actually two that I know. This one particular panhandler on a, a, a corner that I almost always go past when I'm going pretty much anywhere. Uh, I noticed that she's pregnant. Panhandler is pregnant. So I guess there is a homeless lid for every homeless pot. And she's not unattractive. She just looks, you know, kind of beat. Um, I don't mean to insult the beat out there, but um, she's out there working her route, putting her time in. She's begging for two now, so she's really got to hustle. But I just thought to myself, how did this person meet the person that she had this baby with? Did they happen to occupy the same corner at one time and start talking? Or do they have like a, a website and they all talk about which corners they're going to get and then they can chat and maybe they fell in love? I have no idea. I just thought it was just kind of striking to see that my parent was pregnant. I was more predisposed to give her money, which... Makes me think that really is a, is a commitment to panhandling. If you're going to panhandle while you're pregnant, it's better than anything you could write on a sign that might make a person want to give you money. So I gave her some change. Um, and that's that. Uh, another stupid thing is um, my students and I, as you know, seventh graders love anything that has to do with poop. And, uh, I told them about how I always hear this commercial for Skidmore College. I literally hear it like at whatever radio station or local radio station it's on, like pretty much every other every other segment. And I, I just I can't stand the name Skidmore. And it just made me because I guess maybe I kind of have a seventh grade aspect in my mind. I was like, yeah, if I was like the of the rival of Skidmore College, like, you know, in their conference, maybe our football teams were rivals. I would call them Skidmark. And I told my students about that. And, of course, they died laughing. And then it got us down this path where we were thinking about, like, what would their mascot be? Skidmark College fighting feces. Maybe their mascot would be this big brown blob called Dumpy. Uh, that, that tended to be the most popular. I mean, uh, there were plenty of others. Uh, maybe you would work in something about how you were going to flush them. Flush the feces this Saturday. I don't know. I Like I told you, that's stupid. But it, we laughed for, I think, at least 10 straight minutes. The back of my head hurt. Talking about Skidmark University fighting feces. Oh, I was actually laughing about it with Frankie. Uh, talking to Frankie, who talks a lot, who is one of my students. Um, I have a feeling you might be hearing from, from him a little bit on this website. I mean, on this uh, podcast. Uh, but I'll get to that later, too. And then one one quick lifey thing before I take a break and then get into the politics is uh I realized that I realized that good people can drive rusty cars. What do I mean by that? 
like sometimes I'm driving behind a person and I'll see like the bumpers all rusted, like maybe a pickup truck. There's rust all on the wheel wells, and I like I find myself making judgments about who must be who that person must be. Not not getting a new truck or not washing their truck or not doing something to 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 get rid of that rust. Like I'm, I, I used to search my car for rust and I would panic whenever I saw it. Like, oh no, my car's getting old and I have to get a new car. When my... But there's really something about letting your car rust. It's going to anyway. And, and honestly, what difference does it make? But I swear, when I was my former self, my unhappy self, I would look at people with rust. Maybe it was because I, I was in a hurry and they were in my way. But I don't think so. I think sometimes like even in a parking lot, I would see a car that was rusty and I'd be like, what must that person be like? And then um, I met people who had rusty cars, and they're just like me, just like you and I. Um, so maybe in the future, don't be so judgy about people with rusty cars. Instead of just allowing their car to rust, it's not like it's hurting anybody. They're probably saving money for, by driving it into the ground. I plan on driving my current car into the ground, and when it starts to rust, I'm just going to leave it. I hope people won't look at my car and think that there must be some vagrant living in it or someone who maybe can't afford to get a new car. I just don't want one. All right. I've said way too much about that. I'm going to take a quick break, try and get myself together. And then when I come back, we're going to talk some politics. So buckle up. Hi, my name is Frank. People call me Talkative Frank that talks a lot. I think you should really listen to his podcast always. It's one of it's one of the best out there. He talks about he's not afraid to show pretty much what he believes in. And that's what I like about him. If you're not subscribed, make sure you subscribe to his podcast. This is Talking to Frankie that talks a lot. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode twenty four. That message was brought to you by Talking to Frankie Talks a Lot. He is a friend of the show. All right, politics. I guess everything is politics. I mean, everything can eventually be traced through some thread to politics. So I might as well stop ignoring the elephant in the room. I'm about to either make a lot of friends or make a lot of enemies. I hope I, hope I make a lot of friends. But I hope I don't make a lot of enemies. <clears throat> it's just going to be impossible because I think about these things and there's just no way for me to be me walking in the world without thinking of them. So, like I said, I think I consider myself a personal responsibility conservative. So let me just, there's like a an array of topics that usually you could use. If there's like a chart to find out what kind of, where you are in the political spectrum. And and usually when you're done, you can see pretty much where you are. Some people would check the same box for the, like say the conservative box for every, every issue. Some people would click the liberal box for every issue. Um, and so I'll just go through them really quick. Uh, so let's say national security um, and nationalism in general. I consider myself patriotic. Um, I have a love of the United States Constitution, the freedom it provides. 
I love the fact that it's uh, it, it recognizes that we have rights that are endowed by our creator, not by a government. If a government wants to take those away, then we have the right to overthrow the government. And those rights primarily are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, like it says, uh, to secure these rights, governments will be instituted by men and women, uh, deriving their just rights from the consent of the governed. Could not be said better than that. And so that's why I do believe we need a country. In order to have a country, you need a border. So I believe we need borders. I don't think it's racist to have a border. I think it's been conflated into uh, a race racial issue um, because, they, for example, on the, on the southern border, the people that are trying to get into the country are what we would call black or brown. I wouldn't. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why we have to name colors, but they're not largely white. And so it's considered racist to have a border there, but I just don't understand why. Try getting into Canada. Try getting into Mexico. You know, it, it, you need a border to have a country. It's, I don't know how anyone could disagree with that unless they're willing to say they don't believe we should have a country. Like the John Lennon song, Imagine There's No Country. Well, it sounds great, but it, it, I, in my opinion, I don't think it works. And so my love of country is founded on those, those, the Declaration of Independence, the ideas in it, and the Constitution that uh, it, it is derived from. No, from which it, it no. It can't, hold on, let me get this right. The Declaration of Independence led to the Constitution. The Constitution is derived from the principles in the Declaration of Independence. Primarily that, that sentence said, um, we're endowed by our creator with inalienable rights. Um, and that they're to be protected by governments. So that's that. Um, I might as well get to this one because I honestly I don't know how I feel on the abortion issue. That might offend some conservatives. Um, I don't know what I would. I don't know if if I have the right to tell a woman that she can't have an abortion. I hate the idea of a viable baby being killed. I don't know where it changes from egg and sperm to fetus to baby. But I, I'm pretty sure most reasonable people understand that under some circumstances, a person should be able to have an abortion. And that when when a baby is a, pretty much a baby, at least in later stages, that it, it should not be aborted unless there's a reason for it. I think people who think that you should be able to have a baby born and then killed, I, I can't stomach that. I just don't, I don't know. I believe in God, so I, I, I guess you probably should have started with that. I believe in God, but I don't narrow it to a particular religion. I, I want to make sure that I keep my idea of God wide open in case there are aliens. I want my God to be able to cover them, too. Because if I don't have a God in sense of just a creator... A good creator who is good. I guess that's basically I would have to um, explain my God. Um, and I wouldn't think that that God would want babies killed. But I also know that God wants us to be free. And so the freedom of, for a person to have an abortion is something I just, I don't know if I can just tell them they don't have the freedom to do that. I wouldn't, I don't think. So that's all garbled, but... 
brightly garbled because I don't have a I don't have a definitive answer on that one. So I just kind of keep my mind open. Um, I, where I am conservative, though, is in personal responsibility, like I said. I'm fiscally conservative. I think that if you're able-bodied, you should earn your own living. Because I think everyone has the right to tell me that I shouldn't be getting my living from them if I'm able-bodied. I also believe that there should be a, a comfortable safety net. Not too comfortable, but a, a, a basic safety net for people who can't work. Even for people who don't work, just refuse to. I think they should still be taken care of in some way that's basic. Um, and people that are disabled and unable to work, I think they should be cared for. They should, they should, I guess, for lack of a better way of measuring it, they should be able to have at least an average life in terms of financial support and health care and all that. Um, so I do believe a person should make their own way if they can. Um, because because it, it, re reciprocally, I wouldn't want to have to support somebody else that could support themselves. So basically, it's just kind of a do unto others thing when it comes to that. And uh, uh, another thing that I'm very conservative, conservative about is that I like government to be as small as possible. It is a necessary evil. It is not our mother or father. It's not even our uncle. It's 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 us. And it's a construction that we have to have in order for certain things to be done and and governed, essentially. But it, it, I don't want a nanny state. I don't want a government that's so big that it it uh, enslaves people or, or creates dependence on, you know, creates dependent people. Um, because it becomes intrusive. And also, I know from working in an unnamed city school district that government bureaucracies can become so bloated and convoluted that sometimes they end up just growing for the sake of, of growing. And it, it's kind of like a cancer. So, um, I guess that's pretty much... I'm not a war hawk. I don't think we should be policing the world. But I do think we should be able to police ourselves and our borders. Um, I believe in freedom of religion. I think everyone should be able to, you know, like, like the declaration says, they should be able to live their religion in the public square without forcing it on other people. Um, and I, I do believe that we ought to be a diverse society. I, I think we should welcome all kinds, but I also think they must enter the country legally. So we know who they are because we also have to protect ourselves from those that might hurt us. If you were around for 9-11, you know that's very possible. So that is pretty much a synopsis um, of in generally where I stand politically. Now I want to talk a little bit about things that are more specific. Uh, for example, in the political climate right now, as you consider the left and the right, the right people tend to be called Trump supporters, and the left they tend to be called Biden supporters, but really I think it's more like Trump haters. I don't see tons of people thrilled for Biden. It's just the left, the left side politics they want, the policies that they want. Um, like for example, right now they're very nervous about the um, Supreme Court nominee, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, something like that. I think that's her name. Um, and they're afraid that she's going to be too right-wing and that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned, which I don't ever believe will happen. 
precedent for so long, I don't think it would be. But it's possible, so I do understand their fear or concern. Um, but what I definitely notice, generally speaking, about the politics of the day is that the right is not really too far to the right, considering where the right's been before. But the left is definitely, in my opinion, marching left. And what do I mean by that? I mean, the I believe the left is marching in a direction that is not pulling um, the general population with it. Like uh, ordinary people living their lives. I think the wh who wins elections are the ones that, of course, get their base, but also scoop along some ordinary, common sense people who just live the way they live, and it matches up with the with the politics of that particular side. And I think right now the left is marching in a way that that is unable to take um, a large amount of the middle with it. And there are some specific issues that I, I'm going to get to that kind of, to me, demonstrate that where, where I guess, where, where they disconnected from me. I consider myself a common sense person. Um, so let me get right to one of them. First of all, let me say this first. We always talk about science. You have to follow the science. Science matters. And people use it either to support something, someone, or to criticize someone. So let me talk quickly about science. Does science matter? Do facts matter on a particular issue or on a particular incident? They should matter because they are real. Now, you can disagree about what facts mean, but what they are ought to be a universal um, common ground from which people can de develop their own arguments and then or positions, and then argue them, or defend against arguments against them. And so, what I here's first what I love about science is that it's rooted in math, it's rooted in logic, right? It's it's it has a kind of distinctiveness. You know, there's only one correct answer when it comes to something scientific or empirical. It's not subjective like English or political science which is open to interpretation, right? Your answer in math is either right or wrong. Either X equals X or X equals Y. Cannot equal both. Unlike an opinion. Um, you know, facts don't have to argue for their truth. They're self-evident. And usually, in, in this age of video, usually now, I mean, so there's some room for interpretation, but usually now the starting point for a discussion is what happened. And usually we have a videotape now because everyone's filming everything, which I think is good because then it gives us a common ground starting point. Otherwise, we'd be arguing about what actually happened or about what actually is. And, and, and it comes to play in, in just about every issue. I'll give you some examples. Um, because people want to, people want to, not force, but people want to persuade other people of their opinions. And there's, there's a lot of room for that. But, what, but it's not necessarily transferable, right? Your opinion about something is your opinion about it. I may have a different opinion. Unless you make a, a, a persuasive argument to me, I'm likely to hold my position. The facts are transferable. You can tell me a thing. 
I can verify that it happened or that it is true. And then we can begin arguing from there. If we can't have a transferable unifying fact to start with that we both have to agree on, like that there's two apples sitting on the table, not three, then we're never going to find common ground. There's really no point in arguing. I think that's insanity. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Here's something that I noticed, and I'll, I'll, call the, I'll call the left when I don't like it. I'll call it leftists because I think that leftists are people who have gone too far to the right. I don't mean the whole left side of the spectrum. I don't mean liberals. I mean, uh, I consider myself in many ways liberal, open-minded. Um, but I think, I think leftists have gone past liberal. They've become... Um, well, I don't even know how to describe it, but I guess it, it will help as I describe examples. So here's one. I hear criticism of, of uh, President Trump and, you know, generally the right. I hear criticism that they don't follow the science. That Trump was ignoring the science on the COVID pandemic. He was, he was not telling people to wear masks enough. Um, he was trying to open the economy back up before we were sure that we had COVID under control, if it could ever be under control, but that the scientists were saying things and he was disagreeing with them and he wasn't following the science. And there may be a valid argument there, right? If the science says something and he's disregarding it, he's wrong. Now, he may want to open the economy anyway because he's in the position of having to weigh different things and do like a risk-benefit analysis. So it doesn't necessarily mean that he thinks there's no threat but he has to weigh it against other threats, like, like the destruction of an economy. Or, you know, all the other stuff that they say is happening because of COVID. Alcoholism, drug abuse, depression, all that stuff. Personally, I don't know the specific facts. So on that one, I'm not sure what the science is. But if it is accurate that, that uh, President Trump is not following the science, then he's wrong. They also say the same thing about climate change, right? Scientists agree, they say that the temperature of the average temperature of earth is rising that there is climate change and it is a fact that that is the starting point for the discussion not whether or not there's climate change and so the science points to it and we have to follow it we can't decide whether or not we like the fact that global warming is happening but then on other issues i'll see that leftists want to ignore science, which makes me wonder about their actual grasp of what science is as it relates to, say, COVID and, and the climate. And, and I, I, like, I'll give you an example. Gender identity. Now, I'm open to anyone being any way they want to be. But what, what is the facts? What is the fact when it comes to gender identity? Science says that there are two genders, male and female, traceable to chromosomes in every cell of their body. Now, a person may feel like they're not the gender that they are physically, but I feel like it's pretty safe to say that as a fact, you are one or the other biologically. I don't know about emotionally or psychologically. And, and I think, fine, if you want to identify as something else, you can. But can we agree that there are biologically two genders according to science? 
Or is that science wrong? Or are we to ignore that science? Because it can't be applied when you feel like it. It is or it isn't. And so when it comes to gender, what I guess my belief is that there are two genders. I'm going to get crushed for, for thinking that by leftists. Um, and I'm going to be called a bigot. But if you want me to be persuaded by your opinions on issues that are based in science, then you need to base that one in science in order to talk to me about it. And I'm open to it, and I'm open to people living their life any way they want. But biologically speaking, according to the science, which we must follow, there are two genders. Yet uh, leftists, I think it's on the far left, they want to argue to me that there's no such thing as, as male and female. I don't understand the basis on which they make that argument. Um, another one where the facts don't seem to, to, to fit with the, the, I guess I'll say, narrative on, on, of the leftists on, on an issue is policing statistics. We're going through this, this giant, I don't even know what you call it, dilemma about policing. And... Um, the, the those on the far left, I've even heard people go so far as to say that police are hunting young African Americans. And they'll point to incidents that occur where African Americans are shot by cops. And, and it's presumed to have a racial intent. I'm talking about those instances. Michael Brown, um, Ahmed Arbery, um, the big one is Breonna Taylor. And and even my own wife, I, we were talking about Breonna Taylor, and she was saying how wrong it was. And that it, that one to me, I, I kind of I looked way into it, and I wanted to think about w what are the actual facts there. First of all, policing statistics in general show, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to blame anybody for anything. I'm just saying what the facts are. Policing statistics show that a black person is less likely to be killed by a cop than a white person, even though statistics show that there is a greater percentage of crime committed by African-Americans. Not that that means that they're doing it because they're African-American or anything like that, but just statistics show that. So there's definitely a disparity between the presumption that cops are purposefully killing African-Americans. And it's usually instances, though, like the Breonna Taylor incident that caused people to believe that they are. And I encourage you, please go look at the statistics yourself. Um, I believe when they talk about unarmed, unarmed black people being killed by cops. And I think I looked it up, and, and less than 20 last year, African-Americans were killed were killed by cops. They were they were unarmed, and in every case, but I think three, the the perpetrators, so to speak, or not not the perpetrators, the victims, so to speak, presumed victims, were were committing some kind of behavior that was putting someone's life in danger, even though they were unarmed. They might have been in a car. They were trying to run someone over, or they're choking someone, or beating somebody up, or something like that at the point where the cops intervened. In the three cases that were not, those cops are in jail or under investigation. 
So the statistics don't generally show that African Americans are being hunted by police, yet it is a common misconception. And I think it's a misconception because the facts are are blurred. Like got going back to the science, the facts, what actually happened. And so when I looked into the Breonna Taylor incident, I did it because I wasn't sure myself. And I was open to it. And I, I was paying attention to to protesters who were saying that the cops murdered her. And if you don't know the facts, it basically goes like this. Brianna Taylor and her ex-boyfriend were under suspicion of, of drug trafficking. The police were doing surveillance and they, they learned that packages were being mailed to Brianna Taylor's address and those packages contained drugs. Her ex-boyfriend would go to her house, retrieve those packages, and then leave, presumably to deliver drugs. Maybe to dealers, maybe to deal himself. Um, but they were in amounts larger than one would use himself. So the cops were paying attention to this, and they were surveilling. And they, they uh, gathered enough evidence to be able to do a bust. And they were following a person who was involved, and that person went to Brianna Taylor's house. So they were going to raid Brianna Taylor's house. They had a warrant. They had a no-knock warrant. Now, this is a whole separate issue. You may believe that the police should have the right to bust down a door without knocking. Or you or you believe that they shouldn't have that right. And, and I can see reasonable people falling on both sides. But in this case, they had a no-knock warrant. But rather than just busting through the door, they did knock. And the, the, the Attorney General of uh, Kentucky was talking about this. This happened in Louisville. And um, he was explain. He's a, he's an African American man himself, and he was explaining how there were there was testimony from credible witnesses who said that they heard the cops knock on the door, announce themselves as police before they entered. When they entered, they were shot at. I think it was Brenda Taylor's. Maybe it's her current boyfriend, or I don't know. But there was another man, and, and and they believed there were drugs present, and they had a warrant to go in and search. And they were shot at, and they returned lethal force with lethal force, and accidentally, I believe, accidentally, Breonna Taylor was hit. I don't believe they intended to murder her. The evidence just doesn't suggest that. To the point where the African-American Attorney General of Kentucky decided not to prosecute them um, uh, for, for not even unlawful shooting, except that one cop who shot indiscriminately, it appears, and I think he's going to be justice, brought to justice. But the cops that were actually involved in the Breonna Taylor part of the shooting were all exonerated. And it created this massive outcry that the police are murderers. And unless there's facts here that I don't understand or haven't been brought to light, I just can't look at the situation and say to myself, that's an instance where police hunted African-Americans and killed them because of their race. Now, I know this is probably controversial, but this is something people are all talking about privately, and I, I feel like I, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about it because it's on my mind a lot. And this is my show. 
Um, so when an instance like the Brianna Taylor incident is used as an example of something that isn't borne out in statistics or in actual facts. Now, there are cases where, where there are unlawful shootings and those cops deserve to be brought to justice. You know, they, are, they, they are responsible for their behavior. But so are we, the ordinary citizens. And um, I just don't see how the facts support that strong an outcry that I'm seeing from leftists right now. So do the facts and science matter or do the facts and science not matter? It, it really can't be both ways. And that's just one incident where I feel like the left is, is marching to the left at a rate faster than ordinary people want to go. Or maybe they don't want to go that direction at all. So, oh, I hope you don't hate me. Um, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, I'm going to talk about how I believe the left is also becoming disconnected from suburban women. That's always the demographic. you got to win the suburban women in order to get elected. I'm going to talk a bit about that. I saw a segment this morning on the news uh, where a Joe Biden surrogate was talking uh, to an interviewer. And I'll tell you about that after this quick break. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 24. That message is brought to you by my boy, Milky. Milky's going to hang with me. He loves me, regardless of my political opinions. I hope you will love me, too, regardless of my political opinions. I love you, regardless of yours. Okay, moving on. How I believe that the left is losing suburban women. And, and by the left, I guess I mean the Biden campaign, because that's really the the uh, personification right now of, the, of, I guess, what you could call the left. And the left is not uh, monolithic. It's not just one group. It's people. It's, the left has a spectrum, just like the right has a spectrum. When I say leftist, I mean the, the leftist leftists, like the defund the police leftists. I'll get to that, too, in a second. First, let me talk about this. How do I believe that there is becoming a growing disconnect between the left and suburban women um, during this particular political time? And let me just tell you what I what I saw. There's a there's a writer, an author called Ibram Kendi. He's most recently famous for writing a book called How to Be Anti-Racist. It's about how it's not enough to not be a racist yourself. You have to be anti-racist. I'm not exactly sure what that means, I think. But it, I've also heard it said that, that injustice happens when good people do nothing. So you, you can't just do nothing um, if you see, you know, something that's bad, particularly something bad that's racial. Well, not particularly, anything that's bad, even if it happens to be racial. If you see someone being discriminated against, a good person is supposed to intervene. I believe I am. In some cases, some cases it's somebody else's business. But at the same time, I think me living my life as a good person, as a, a person who doesn't discriminate against people, I just don't have it in my heart. I think that's mainly my job. And if, if everyone tried to just not be discriminatory in their life, then I believe the amount of racism that occurred would reduced. I honestly can't put my finger on how much there even is. I know there's some. 
And I, I also know that some of it's never going to go away. I'm just that's that's human nature. It's part of part of our freedom is to be, is to be, work hard or be lazy, to be enlightened or be stupid. Um, as long as you're not actually hurting other people, with it. I, I don't believe words are weapons. Words are useful because they can be used instead of weapons. Anyway, um, Ibram Kendi was being interviewed. No, I'm sorry. A, a, a Joe Biden surrogate, a woman, I can't think of her name, was being interviewed by Leland Vitter on the Fox News Network, which, of course, now you know I probably listen to. But I also listen to MSNBC and I listen to CNN. I watch it. And um, I uh, I saw that this Joe Biden surrogate was being asked a question about whether or not this man, Ibram Kendi, is potentially alienating suburban women. Here's how. He recently tweeted that the Supreme Court Justice nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, um, her adoption of a Haitian child, she has seven children, one with special needs, I guess, and two that are, I'm sorry, two adopted from Haiti. And his comment about white people adopting people of, you know, people of color from, from less advantaged cultures or countries um, he criticized it in a way that suggested that um, the white people, I guess particularly white women who adopt, so let's say in this case, Haitian babies, um, uh, have, uh, let's say, less than pure motivation. They, they have what he describes as a, a white savior complex. They get to feel like a superhero because... I guess he's presuming they're thinking that they're that they're superior and they're going to help someone who's less fortunate, less fortunate because of their race, which I just I don't understand. It may be possible in some cases, but I don't know if it can be generally presumed to be the motivation of a person adopting a Haitian child. <clears throat> and then he also criticized uh, that that practice because then the Haitian child is. Um, transplanted into a largely white society where it will be marginalized because of its race. So you take it out of a place where it's normal and you put it into a place where it is going to be seen as somehow a, you know, a foreigner or a, you know, the other. Because, because according to Ibram Kendi, there is rampant, rampant racism. We have not made progress on racism. I, I disagree with that. But anyway... He tweeted that, and the interviewer was asking the Biden surrogate, does, does she think that that will – well, he, first he just asked her about the, the tweet, and, uh, and she didn't really speak to the tweet, but she just kind of spoke of Kendi because he is, he, right now he is a leftist icon. She spoke of him by saying, well, he's a, he's a very respected scholar. Um, and he's, uh, he's written extensively on this issue and studied it extensively. And he's just, he's a respected scholar. And then the, the Leland Vitter pressed her and said, but will his comments about adopting Haitians as Amy Coney Barrett did, will, will that, will that cause Joe Biden to have trouble getting votes from, from middle-class white suburban women? And she said this, she said, no, because suburban women don't follow Ibram Kendi. So I couldn't gather, I couldn't gather exactly what that meant. Did that mean that 
Ibram Kendi's right about this adoption idea? Or does it mean that he's wrong about it? Or does he mean that just middle class white women are generally uninformed? Like they're, according to Ibram Kendi, they're doing the wrong thing. Does Joe Biden think they're doing the wrong thing? Or are they doing the wrong thing and this surrogate is glad that they're not paying attention to being criticized for it? It's pretty convoluted. But it was definitely a generalization about the motivations that suburban women have in adopting children from foreign countries. I mean, never mind the fact that it's very common among celebrities who tend to be on the left. So I was thinking, geez, what a characterization of suburban women. They just don't pay attention. They just don't know who he is. And, and, and if he's wrong, maybe it's better that they don't know who he is. But apparently that Kendi is a member of the kind of leftist thinking. And, um, and it is a, definitely a disconnect from suburban women. So I'm wondering how that's going to. Uh, how that's going to play out. I, I myself didn't know who Ibram Kendi was until I heard him mentioned the number of times and then I looked into his book and then I figured out what his philosophy was. And then I heard I, I heard this interview and I saw that tweet and I thought, <laughs> I thought he, he's going to have trouble. He's going to have trouble scooping up the middle if, if people like Ibram Kendi are speaking for him. Moving on. I believe there's also a disconnect um, from the left, between the leftists, and I guess maybe leftists seem to be speaking for the left right now. And uh, on the issue of, of law enforcement, um, defund the police in particular, it seems very popular right now as an argument on the left. It's based on on incidents of violence where police have killed people of color or shot people of color. And out of that was born this movement to defund the police. And I just wonder how that would look in reality. And then in Minneapolis particularly, that was the hotbed for defund the police. And it, it turns out it's not going very well. Um, so just specific things happen that made me wonder whether or not that movement is actually going to help or hurt Joe Biden's election efforts. Um, and I, I, I saw in the news recently that the very Minneapolis city council who was advocating for the defunding of police because it seemed like the mob wanted that. Now they're complaining that the police don't arrive in time when they're called. And I see this phenomenon a lot. It's on both sides, but in this instance, how could you literally be the exact people who said X and now be the exact people who are saying Y? And I know that's common in politics, but sometimes it's so bold and on its face, you can't, you can't but think that they're hypocrites. Plus, the idea itself of getting rid of police is so, to me, so stupid I mean, Charles Barkley even commented on it recently. So we got to get rid of this idea. He, I believe he was speaking to the black, black community. I don't ever say someone's speaking for the black community, but he seemed to be speaking to the black community, of which he is a member, saying, we got we got to drop this because who, who else are, are we going to call? Ghostbusters? And he's right. 
He's right. They just don't understand how how it ballooned into getting rid of all police, including police who are African American. There's nothing like the sight of a, an angry, woke, college-age white woman screaming into the face of an African American policeman. And that's a phenomenon that I notice a lot. They they seem to lose their blackness when they're dressed in blue. And I, I, I just, it gets so convoluted, I just, I, I can't even follow it. And then this, the shooting in L.A., where the, the African-American man walked up to it, or snuck up to a police car that had two sheriffs in it, and shot them both in the head, and then ran away. And for a while, he was missing. I, I believe they found him and charged him. I believe so. He may be still on the loose, but at the time I was thinking about it, he was still on the run. And and I, I don't know if people feeling more comfortable shooting cops is the result of this this war against police in general. I, I have to think it has something to do with it. But but the the LA County Sheriff did something very interesting. There was a, a reward for information that led to the arrest of the man they have on video who shot the two policemen in the head. And there was, I, I believe that it, the, the reward gradually made its way up to about $200,000. And, and the L.A. County Sheriff challenged LeBron James because it's L.A. and he plays in L.A. He said, I know LeBron James supports law enforcement. So... I'm wondering if he'll use his wealth to help us find this perpetrator by doubling the reward. It was 200000 He was asking LeBron James, challenging basically, to match the reward. And LeBron James did not respond. He must have heard it. He had to have eventually heard it and, and had to make a decision, even privately, to do it or not do it. He didn't do it. And I wondered, why would he not do it? Does he not want justice? And they kind of put him in a box. I'm sure he has, as part of his kind of market, um, large part portions of the black community. And maybe he, I was thinking, what would be his motivation for not doubling that reward? Would he be afraid of alienating some people? by suggesting that what that man did was wrong. And that alone is astounding. The fact that you might have to consider whether or not a man shooting two policemen in cold blood is wrong or not. Because it gets conflated with the idea that police are bad. And if police are bad and they're hunting African-Americans, well then, you know, the African-Americans should be fighting back. And I think that based on that, what I consider convoluted logic, Sorry, I keep saying that word a lot, but this is. Um, you could you could make this backwards argument that that's justified. And so I'm, I'm just wondering, what gave LeBron James pause? Did he not want to alienate people who think it's okay to shoot cops? That's that's crazy. That's crazy. And I just wonder 
how, and I, I'm going to talk more about LeBron James because I think he's a hypocrite. Um, I'll talk more about it because of his, he has an enormous market in China that makes him super, super wealthy. And he, he speaks out on, on human rights in America, but does, says nothing about human rights in China, where, where much of his income comes from. But anyway, that's a separate thing. But in this case, um, I, 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 what does it say about the state of the political climate now where someone can't immediately support the idea that a person who shot two people in cold blood is wrong? It's, it's just, I can't even fathom it. And, and, and there are like, you know, lightning rods that draw our attention to these issues. And I think that's one of them. What, what made that person feel like it was okay to shoot those cops? And why did LeBron James not immediately double the reward when asked to do so? Who's he afraid of offending? Think about it. And so... I guess to summarize, um, I'm sorry for rambling, but I'm yawning. Uh, to summarize, I, I feel like in this, as it relates to this upcoming election, what I'm seeing right now is the left pulling so far to the left that it's going to leave behind common sense people in the middle on, on these particular issues of, of defund the police, um, you know, indicting suburban women for their opinions. Um, and uh, just in general, criticizing pe- law enforcement, people that are pro-law enforcement. And with that, I have come to my end. Um, I'm sure I'll talk more about this. I'm sorry that my thoughts were so disorganized on this one, but I, I had to just let them fall out of my head. Um, in the future, now that I do feel comfortable talking about politics, I will probably have a segment in each episode about politics as the election is coming up. And no, I meant to say too, just so you know, because before I talked about how people say that they're in the middle or they're open-minded, but they've always voted for one, voted for one particular party when it came to presidential elections. I have not. Um, in college, I voted for Bill Clinton twice. I voted, um, I did not vote in the, um, in the Obama elections. I, I was not, I was not, you know, jazzed by either John McCain or Bob Dole. Actually, no, I think Bob Dole ran against Bill Clinton. Voted for Clinton. Um, I didn't vote for John McCain or Mitt Romney. I I didn't even vote in those elections because I just didn't have a strong enough feeling on either side. Um, And uh, then I did vote for Donald Trump in the last election, just so you know, in full disclosure. And I'm probably planning to vote on it for him again, largely because of the policies that I um, prefer, not necessarily about who the man is. I don't know the man, um, but I know what laws he intends to enact, what laws he intends to repeal. And so, sorry if I alienated you. I'm, uh, I, I am Sam walking in the world, and that is the way that I walk. So, I thank you for listening. With that, I will see you next week. Thank you.